Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, honey bunch. How are you? It is Friday afternoon. I am in my usual spot, actually. I'm in the room that's Mickey's bedroom and my dressing room. And it's looking unusually tidy. This morning, I had Joe Elvin, who was filming for Lorraine, a wardrobe, a little piece about my wardrobe, basically. And so it looks really tidy because basically I knew a little camera crew were coming over to look at my sparkly outfits. But I didn't really tidy. I just scooped up armfuls of stuff in corners, in piles, on the floor, on chairs, on the sofa, and put them all on the floor in my bedroom. So I'm just about, after I finish speaking to you, I'm going to go and get all the clothes and bring them back and maybe try and actually hang them up. I want to have a tidy space. It's just time, isn't it? I'm sure I've said it to you before, but I just sometimes think just a sort of week of time in the house with no one here. Like, they can come in in the evenings, like after school and stuff, but just if I have a week off, basically, an empty house during the day, I think I could get on top of a lot of things, but that is not the life I'm currently living. And probably as well, if I was living it, I'd probably be sad because it would mean my work had gone quiet. <laughs> so I'd have a day of like, woo, and then I'd be like, mm, why does nobody want me? So anyway, um, I'm planning what to wear for tonight and tomorrow. I've got two things this weekend. I'm singing tonight for an awards thing, like a sort of work, work awards in Telford. I know. And then, get this, my weekend is Telford to 
Paris. I know. Yeah, typical, you say. What a what a usual trip. So tonight I'm in Telford and tomorrow morning I'm on the train to Paris because tomorrow I'm singing on a show called Star Academy or Star Academy, as I said to my son last night. And he was like, say it in a normal voice because he couldn't understand what I said. But Star Academy is basically like Fame Academy. So there's all these contestants and I will be singing with one of the contestants who's in the semi-final on Fame Academy in France and then I will be performing by myself and then... That's it, actually. That's, that's me. Two songs. And then home for Sunday lunch. So all will be well. And I'm working out what to wear. So I've got a little pile of stuff on the bed and I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Um, what else have I been doing this week? I've been songwriting. Uh, I've been recording. I recorded my first new podcast of this year. Because today's guest, who is Kelly Hoppen, I actually spoke to last year, just before I started my UK tour. So in November. And it was actually really lovely because it turns out that Kelly's office is very, very near to where I grew up and where my mum is. But you know when you're in your area and then you find out about these little little muses on back roads, down residential roads. So I went down a road I hadn't been down before, even though it's very close to where I lived, and then turned a left and a right, and there was her office. And it's beautiful inside. Now, I know Kelly is an interior designer, so I shouldn't be surprised by this, but it's still so nice to walk into an area and just feel ah, calm. And Kelly Hoppen's signature style is, I suppose, what you might call neutrals, or she's been associated with the colour beige and mushroom and taupe because she basically deals very well in these soft, soothing, calm spaces. And I think it's really important as well to note that when Kelly began doing those things, it was very much a new look, a new style. So she really has got a signature style that is very much associated with her. And it's really gorgeous. I mean, look, I'm a maximalist and I like my colour, but I do very much appreciate that aesthetic because I, I could actually physically feel it when I was in the space. I just felt calmer and I think... You know, my environment maybe is a little bit more... Well, when it's good, it's stimulating and beautiful and joyful. And when it's not, it's actually like a bit much. I guess you'd say the same thing with something being calm and clutter-free and thoughtful. And then it can get, you know, you, you need to have enough personality in there. So I guess every every look, every interior has a happy balance. And it's a bit like music genres. I can actually like anything from any genre if it's done well. So I very much like what she does because it's done so tastefully and beautifully. And gloriously, Kelly herself is very vibrant and wise and fun to be around. So we had a really lovely chat about her career, about where she's found herself now. She started very young, 16. Uh, she's now a grandma. She spoke about grandmotherhood or glammyhood. She's a glammy to her grandson, Rudy. And she has her own daughter, Natasha, who she had when she was 23. And she also is stepmother to two other adult women, uh, Sienna and Savannah Miller. And she's very proud of her stepmother, uh, stepdaughter relationship with them and they, their relationship with her daughter which is really nice to hear, especially because I don't know if that was necessarily quite such a... I think now we're better at navigating blended families because there's more conversations around it. But Kelly said that when she became a stepmother, she didn't really feel like there was the same 
um, transparency or acceptance about how what that role might look like and how it would work. So I think she feels very proud of how she's she and they have navigated it. Anyway, so when you're listening, I want you to picture me somewhere calm and I'm trying to remember what her office was like. I think there were lots of like calm, nice tones of grey and warm wood and nice black and white art. And yeah, I have to say it's quite grown up as well. I mean, I'm definitely a bit more kiddie, but it's lovely. It's very beautiful. And as we listen to ourselves chatting, I will also be uh, bringing armfuls of clothes back into this room too. Oh, I'm going to miss it being a bit calmer and clearer in here. Maybe I just should just, I don't know, organise some sort of sale. It's just not even that, just give it to charity. There's just so much stuff. I don't need this much stuff. But anyway, here I am. There you are. See you on the other side. Well, why don't we start with the here and now, Kelly? It's really good to see you. And before we started recording, I said, how are things? And you said, very busy. And the, sometimes in a week, you find the, one of the hardest things is actually get the opportunity to get into your design studio, designing. I suppose it's funny, isn't it? Because your job probably started with one job description and now it's morphed into a whole load of other things. Mm. I mean, the thing is, I complain a lot that I'm too busy. <laughs> but the reality is that my... Uh, I love challenges and I love every day is different but I'm, I've taught myself how to design and do things quickly so I kind of look at my schedule and I'm quite old-fashioned it's all on computer but it's also on paper because then I circle things and move things and drive people mad to try and make more space but I've learned that if I can get what I need done in a week, I'm much calmer. It's when I panic about like, how am I going to get, how am I going to let someone down? How am I going to manage it? But actually it's just who I am. And people ignore the fact that I get into a a state about it because they know I'm going to get it done in the end. And I do. So I'm sort of juggling that and my home life and family and all of those other things that women have to do, plus get your nails done and get your hair done, you know, just to kind of make yourself look nice. But somehow I fit it all in. But there are moments like this weekend where Sunday I just didn't get out of bed till 10.30. And that, for me, that is heaven. It's time. That does sound like heaven. I did once see a meme that said, um, being an adult is just saying, don't worry, it'll all calm down again the week after next, over and over (laughs) until you die. (laughs) Well, basically that's my life, yeah. It never calms down, really, until Christmas. So this is the best time of the year for me because I can come to an end and then I can have time off because the whole world stops Mm. and you know often people say to me you know it wasn't COVID dreadful I said it was awful but those first few months even though I was running a business remotely with sort of 50 people it was heaven because I didn't have to go anywhere I didn't have to kind of feel like I had to be somewhere and I think that's the thing is that I think the older you get, you realise that you can choose what you want to do and the people you want to see and what what really makes you happy. Mm. So I'm in a fortunate position in my business to take on jobs that I really want to do and be surrounded by people that are appreciative um, and have an amazing team that you can kind of nurture. So, you know, like you said, when you arrived, are you good at delegating? I am, but I'm only good at delegating because I have a great team that can do it. And I think that's really key. Definitely key, yeah. You need that support network around you, Mm. for sure. But the kernel of it all, so I guess, is the heart of it is your relationship with design. And what's that like 
Oh. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. You know, sometimes it makes me laugh. I'll, I'll meet people and they go, uh, you know, do you ever go into your, do you, know, ever, do you ever work? Like, I'm like, no, this machine doesn't run without me designing. Mm. I mean, 45 years later, I'm still designing. And that's the thing I'll never give up. I love that. I love the relationship between the client and myself. If it's a private client, if it's a commercial job, it's understanding the how it's used and who's going to be the end user and trying to, you know, I've got this amazing visual like imagination I can be in a place two weeks from now and actually know what I'm going to wear and how I'm going to feel and how I need to change something you know I was born with this ability to get into people's heads extract the information and I can see a room finish before I've designed it I can actually move things around in my head so that's that's the magic that I have all the other bits that actually make it happen, which is the draftsman downstairs, people pulling it all together. I don't do that, but I'll come up with a concept with my design team on certain ones. Some of them, I do them on my own. And, um, and that's my mothership is the design. But off that comes product design and new collections and charity work and mentoring and you know all the other bits that I still love to do that feed me Mm. um but basically design came from when I used to go to my grandmother's home like that's where it all stemmed from I know it was it was the feeling of of how I felt in her home uh when I was sat when she taught me how to crochet and we'd have our tea and we'd go and pick flowers and we'd lay the table and having family over and friends, that was what I put in a bottle. And, you know, at a very early age at 16 and a half, decided to start a business after my father had died. And, but it came from that little bottle of feelings, 100%. But what's interesting is when I was looking across, you know, different interviews with you and your signature style I thought this is someone I imagine you've always known very much who you are like the kernel of you seems like it's very consistent and that sure-footed sense of who you are not everybody has that Mm. actually but when you're talking about your grandmother's house and that feeling I mean, I imagine that your grandmother's house wasn't also the place that visually looked no, the way you designed. No, it's complete <laughs> antithesis of mm. how I design. It was dark. It had lots of, um, you know, I often say I should bring the pictures into the studio to show my team. It was like a proper grown-up old house with antiques and stuff, but it had a smell. You know, it had um, the cedar wood and... I don't know, it was just all of those things, but I think they, that was my happiest time. And because I, I hated being at school, I was always bullied. So when I used to go back there at Christmas, but it was just the way she had created a home out of years and years of collecting and finding things and putting them together. And there was no, uh, she was not an interior designer. She didn't have an interior designer. It was just an innate sense mm. of comfort. Um, and practicality, actually. And I think that was what I wanted to try and capture. And, you know, right back at my first book that I wrote, I said it was always the experience that I wanted to create for people. But obviously, I wanted it to look beautiful. And I guess over time, over the period that I've been designing, there are moments I look at when I was designing and it was all too structured. I've become way different now, where it's all more about comfort and 
Um, we've just moved into a new house and we have designed it specifically for us, which is what I always do for clients. And I think prior to that, I was designing for us knowing people would see it. Right. This house, we won't show anyone other than who comes to it. And it's quite interesting how it's changed, but I think it's better. That is interesting. Yeah. So you just trying to break that down a bit. So the other things almost felt like it had to be a sort of flagship of what you could do and how you're to sort of showcase that. Yeah, but now I it's think something so. more private. Yes, and it was only decided, you know, uh, sort of towards the end where, you know, John and I just said, should we just keep this private? So I hadn't designed it with that in mind. Mm. But it was, um, I don't know, it just felt different. It felt um, like most of my clients would feel. So I was experiencing something that I hadn't really experienced before because it was always a given that I'd have film crews and people in my home, which until now I didn't realise was quite stressful. Mm. Um, it was just the norm to be on a thousand front covers and, you know, your living room and your bedroom, everyone would know what it looked like. Now it's so private. But I think that design is, what I do is such a private thing. You know, I handed over a project on Friday night and my clients cried, you know, and if you knew who they were, you would be surprised. And, but the joy that I had managed to capture that, now that feeling that I had in that very moment if I could bottle that and drink it every day, that, that's what, why I do what I do. But how wonderful that you get those experiences, but also it's so recent. So you yeah. must be feeling quite topped up. Yeah, I'm really topped <laughs> up, yeah. And I get to go there for dinner on Thursday night, you know, and I can experience their friends in it and everything else. And, you know, I always say the joy for me is getting into someone's head, extracting the information and just getting that boom, okay, yes, I know what to do. And then I just go off. I put my music on because I have to design with music. And then I know I'm done. And then my team deal with all the intricacies of getting it done. And then the next thing is the install and the handover. And those are the two things, beginning and end, mm. that I love most in my job. Um, and if I could do that every day. And I always say to people, if you're a hairdresser, somebody comes and you get your hair done. And they go, oh, God, that looks amazing. And a hairdresser gets a compliment an hour later. Yeah. I sometimes have to wait four years, <laughs> you know, for somebody that's as impatient as me. So that's why I take on so many projects, so that I can get that feeling yeah. at different times. Otherwise, it becomes a bit soul-destroying that you don't get to the end quickly. I get the impression that you've been very good at kind of recognising how things are working for you and what, what feeds yeah. you and what is your kryptonite so that you can actually get the right balance. And I want to touch on what you were just talking about with music. So if you're starting a new project, how frequently is music one of the first sort of components? Well, I mean, this is quite funny because I only started talking about this a few years ago, but I hear sound and the sound changes into design. I know this is going to sound oh, I love really it. weird. It's extraordinary. So, you know, with Boy George, for example, who's a musician, um, I said, if you could give me a song, what would it be for your bedroom? Mm -hmm. And he got it. The same with many other people. Or it can be a shoe. I've had a client say, those shoes you're wearing, that's the bedroom. And I get it. And I, <laughs> I can't, I cannot explain it, but I have to design that music for me is a beat mm. and it's always soul 
jazz, funk, but it has a certain beat to it. And that puts me in the zone to design. And they laugh at me upstairs because the young kids have always got other music on it. And if that stayed on, I wouldn't be able to be creative. So I have my own playlist that I put on. And the minute that song, I, I can literally get lost. Um, but it has to be a certain sound. Like, I'm not good at going to the theater, but I'm very good at going to a musical because I'm watching it, because I have this ability to, to watch and listen and, and think about something. My brain can be in 10 different places. I've sat through opera and designed a whole house in my head just because I like the sound of the music. So it's very, very important to me, music. Well, I think a lot of these things are, you know, like a Venn diagram and a creative folk, the way your brain is ignited and how it all crosses over. Yeah. I think everybody's got versions of that. Um, but like the reason why I like hearing about it is because, well, I suppose, first of all, I know you've spoken before about your dyslexia, and I think sometimes if you're someone who's, uh, you know, has those, your brain processes in different ways. It's quite common mm. to be visual and yeah. audio and it ought to feed into something for your imagination. And that ability to look at lots of different things at once as yes, well. Yes, exactly. No, 100%, because if you ask me to read something and memorise it, I can't. But if I read it and every line I put a song next to it or a, or a visual, mm. I can remember that from that. Yeah, that's incredible. Which is uh, and I've taught a lot of young dyslexic kids and explained to them, like, if you're going to have to learn something for school, when you're learning it, read something and think of something that you'll remember. So that when, for example, that question is given to you in an exam, you'll think, yes, the cuddly toy on the floor, that was that moment. So you can relate to something that, so that you remember it. Yeah. That makes any sense at all. It makes complete yeah. sense. And I think, um, well, then we, we, you know, there's lots of, um, research has gone into how memory works and how you access things but I think also maybe the little bit of what you're talking about is also a bit of synesthesia with you know if you hear music and it produces an image in your head mm -hmm. and I think all that sort of stuff is fascinating and I'm worried <laughs> if um, if we were working together I think I'd be your I'd be messaging all the time actually no can I change my song <laughs> like, yeah, but, but, not that one <laughs> I said no, that one but clients do that all the time they, they change their mind all the time but they don't do it like that but it would probably be easier if somebody went no I'm talking Marvin Gaye more and I'd be like oh totally got that you know? <laughs> I'm worried I'd be like Benny Hill oh, I didn't mean that <laughs> That would be a problem. <laughs> I, know. I don't even know what a room based around that theme tune would look like. <laughs> the mind boggles. I know. <laughs> um, so if we go back in time to when you had your daughter, so mm. you were only 23 when you had her. 23 years Same old. Same age yeah. my mum was when she had me, actually. Yeah. So what was going on with your work then? So I'd had the business since I was 16 and a half. That's so young. Yeah. Got pregnant and I guess six months into it just to, just closed it down mm. I remember I was in my studio in Lots Road and just shut it down didn't work for a year because I just wanted to be with her but towards the end of that year I was gagging to get back to work um, but I had the ability to work from home which I did until she decided to go to boarding school with Sienna and Savannah I think 11 or 12 I can't remember um, and it was just so weird because you know, everyone always used to laugh and say, your phone was never off. You know, I never, I always took her to school, picked her up, did homework, did, used to work at night. 
and built a really strong business. It was small. And when she went to boarding school, I was like, I've just got so much time on my hands, you know, <laughs> and that's when the business really took off. But the priority was always Tash. But you juggle. And I see the way she juggles with my grandson now. And, you know, when you're a working mother, it's hard. And, you know, I listen to some women over the years saying, oh, it was a piece of cake. And I'm like, you know, you're losing your memory. It wasn't. It was hard work. And you're always beating yourself up that you're never doing it good enough and never there enough and all of that. But it makes me laugh now because Tash always goes, oh, you know, and so everybody's like, I, I wasn't. Like, every mother has the same thing. You know, um, we just deal with it in different ways. But I think women have this incredible ability to... Uh, multitask we really genuinely do we can be cooking and on the phone and watching and learning and thinking about next week all at one go and it's how we're, we're made up the downside of that is that you become completely exhausted and I think what women need to do as well is factor in time for themselves and I still am taking time to learn that every single day but I think it's really important that you, like every morning I have an hour in the gym. That's my hour. But my phone's always on still and my, my daughter's 40. Just in case she calls. Like you're born with that thing where you're always protecting and available and ready. Um, but it's, I wouldn't have changed it. Uh, and I admire someone like you with five children. I mean, you know, that is like, how do you juggle that? But I guess you get into a, a sort of routine of the chaos that becomes normal. Yes, I think there's something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and actually, now that my youngest is approaching five, I'm realising that the thing you're talking about with the prioritising end time for me is something I've really let slide. Mm. So I've been trying to factor that back in, just by giving even little bits here and there, just making sure I'm keeping an eye on myself too. Well, I think we lie to ourselves. Like, it's there's two things here. One, if you say to somebody, like somebody says to me, like, are you really chilled? I go, I am the most chill person. And then if you ask that question to your children, they say the complete opposite. It's the same if you ask your partner or husband. They go, they say to me, have you kind of slowed down with your work? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing half what I used to do. And John will go, she's doing more. So you see yourself in a completely different light because that's how you've been able to survive. We have this way of surviving women. So we kind of put things out of our mind and just we're on the straight. But actually it's the people around you that care about you and love you, are the people that kind of suddenly go, hang on a minute, no, you just need to stop. Take the weekend off, let's do this. Let's go out for dinner. Let's go on a date night. Oh, I'd rather be in bed. No, I will go, you know, and you feel better. Or taking time to go and have a lunch. Like so many of my friends have lunches. I never do it. And then every so often I'll go, do you know what? I'll come. And I have the best time because girls together have such a laugh. And I think, why don't I do this more often? Yeah. So it's just feed, you know what I mean? Feeding those things that you need, but balancing it. I think that's so wise about the lies thing because it's like a narrative you tell yourself about how you're Coping. managing. Yeah. Yes, I think that's very, very true. Um, and I don't know if I find it... Well, I suppose it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose there are moments, aren't there, where you feel quite overwhelmed 
And I imagine with you, with your work and everything, it's quite hard to filter because, look, you want to be working. You've worked hard to get the opportunities you have. So it's very hard to to sort of start to close any of that down because that goes against instinct. Mm. But that does also mean that, I don't know, I suppose I always have this feeling of like, I just think I'm going to look back on certain bits of my life and think, God, oh, that was a lot I was taking on for a long And you will, time. and you have. I look at what you do, and I, I'm in awe of how you manage it. But I think, for me, what happens is I just get to a point, and I know I need some time off. Mm. So I'll take a weekend, or I'll just something that yeah. I know myself. Yeah. And, you know, I think health is really important, and, and just taking time to eat breakfast and you know, like simple little things that instead of running out the door with a piece of toast in your hand, it's like, what is another 20 minutes? Mm. So I think it's it's about managing that. And then when you can, just have, have a break. Yeah, I think recognising that is good. And actually it goes back to, I suppose, the same thing you've done here with your work ethic, but having those people around you, as you say, just to keep an eye on you, like it sounds like John's very good at doing that for you and just saying... I think maybe you need some time or your girlfriend saying, come on, do come out for lunch with us. And yeah, that kind of and thing. I'm a lot better now because, you know, being a Leo, I'm not very good at taking criticism. But now when John will sort of say something, I actually sit and I listen and I count to 10 before I answer. <laughs> Whereas in the old days, I would have gone, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But actually, mm. it's really important to listen to people and mm. hear what they're saying and kind of digest it. Um, and I count to 10 a lot. <laughs> every day because I think that, you know, it's kind of a bit, bit of my mantra. It's so easy to answer quickly. And I think you have to be careful. And um, I think when people know you really well, they tell you the truth. Mm. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear, but it's important. And I have the same with, with my staff. I'm like, take time off. You know, one one of my staff said, I'm going to work from home today. I went, you know, you should, because you've just worked so hard last week. You're a bit run down. Work from home. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, if you give that ability in your work environment as well, you end up with a much better uh, base and platform for people to work. So you look yeah. after people. They look after you. And the people that are not meant to be here leave. And you end up with an environment that's important. And I've always maintain that the people that we have working here we have created something very special and I couldn't work in anything but that so I think the people you surround yourself with are so important to as a woman to how you get up get dressed how you feel every single day yeah and I guess what you're talking about is a bit of nurture actually nurturing all the things you know all the factors that let you do what you do but also lift you up Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You mentioned when um, Tash went to boarding school with mm. Sienna and Savannah. So these are your... Stepdaughters, yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you, but I, I think it's amazing how you talk about your relationship with them and being a stepmother. And also, I think we haven't really had many conversations with the podcast actually about when being a stepmother continues after you're actually not with uh, dad anymore. Mm. But I guess you must have put so much into that relationship. What was it like? Well, my mum always says the thing she's most proud of is the way that I brought up Sienna and Savannah within our life. And so when I met Ed um, and he kind of moved in, um, the girls moved in because Joe had breast cancer and was very sick. And to this day, Joe always says, you know, I'm indebted to you because you you helped me over those couple of years. So it was very kind of like immediate. And at first, the three girls, who are sort of two years apart, one and a half years apart, it was a bit like a great sleepover. And then it was like, Tash was like, well, hang on a minute. Like, Mm. you know, this is my house. And then the other girls were like, "Mm, but this is my dad. And so Ed and I worked so hard because it worked to make it work with the girls. And um, he brought up Natasha literally, because her dad wasn't around at the time and, you know, gave her away on her wedding day and all the rest of it. And I was there for Sienna and Savannah. And I've never understood when the Daily Mail or the press have said, you know, uh, Sienna's ex-stepmother, because if you love a child and you're there for the majority of their childhood, you don't just switch that off. And Ed and I, you know, parted on good terms. And, you know, Savannah calls me Mama Kay. And, you know, Sienna calls me Celtic Wizard. You know, we have nicknames for each other. I'm seeing Savannah tonight. And Natasha and the two girls are like sisters. Mm. They fight like sisters. They get angry at each other. They love each other. All the kids, you know, are together. Um, But it was one of the greatest achievements of my entire life being a stepmother Um, and it's hard and you've got to remember I'm 64 and when I was stepmother to them that was not normal you know these kind of extended families so when I used to stand at the school gates I was very kind of frowned upon as the other woman and it was hard for me Um, now today, everybody's got an ex-wife, a new wife, a this, and you know everyone's having Christmas. We used to have Christmas together with Joe, but we were looked upon as this kind of very odd family. But we just, you know, rose above it. Um, but it was it had its challenges and mm. everything else. But you know, we were together for over sixteen years, and it was amazing. 
And I love the girls, you know, um, and they helped me be a better mother because um, Sienna and Savannah were very clever. Natasha didn't want to go to boarding school, but they talked her into it because they didn't want her to be living at home without them. Mm. Okay, so, you know, if you look at it, the best choice, the best thing they could have done because they were there to protect her. And it was the making of Tash. It, It killed me for the first two years. I hated it. But they've, that was a great grounding for them to be on even territory so that when they came home, it was normal. Um, you know, they still complain that I used to dress them in the same leggings and T-shirts, you know, <laughs> when they were younger and stuff. But, you know, we used to, we still laugh about the BFG, which was our big friendly giant car. And we used to sing to Lisa Stansfield. And the other day when I saw Sienna, she went, I still remember how you still put your lip liner on like you used to. I used to watch you in the car. You know, like all the memories are there. Um, And I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, I think it's so lovely to hear that. I mean, I think what you were talking about before when people say things like ex-stepmother, I think there's a lot of casual tactlessness that surrounds Mm. lots of different family setups, actually. I've got my... um, Brothers and sisters are all my half-brothers and sisters, but I think of them as yeah, full because well, we grew go. up together. And then if I get corrected or they say, oh, not your real brother it, or sister. It's so upsetting, yeah. yeah, because to you it's, it's, it's different. Yes, but then you realise that a lot of people who make the judgments aren't the people that spend time with you privately, that go, yeah. you know, that would be there when you're so around you the table. you have to let it go. You do, yeah. absolutely. But I do also just think what you've done with how you've approached being their stepmother is so brilliant to hear because I think it, it can be a really rewarding relationship mm-hmm. but I you know I was definitely raised I've got step parents on both sides and they definitely helped raise me but I think it can come with some real challenges yeah. and a lot of it comes without a guidebook because mm. you're walking into something when you know you're trying to navigate something did you always think you'd be a mum yes yeah I did and you know if I hadn't had Sienna and Savannah I would feel really kind of gypped that I didn't have another child. Um, but we had an instant family, but literally overnight, there was three kids. And um, so, but I always knew I'd have a, have a baby, you know, and Natasha is like, you know, I die for her. Like there isn't anything. I mean, she could be a pain up the ass like any kid can, <laughs> but she's amazing. And now I've got this extraordinary grandson, Rudy, which is the most unexpected love affair of my life. You know, oh, you just... That. You, 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 unless you're a granny, you don't understand. So it's a club. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, you know, you're, you won't want to be called granny. I said, you can call me anything he likes. But he ended up calling me Glammy because I, I think Simon <laughs> gave him that, you know, name. But That's call brilliant. me granny, granny, nana, I don't care. I don't care. And when I'm with him, my phone is off and I'm on wow. the floor he playing. gets the phone off. <laughs> it's, I am it's the first lost. time I've had it. <laughs> literally in his world and you know he'll see me I'll go glammy should we go and build the, the house and do the thing he'll remember everything we've ever done and I will play make-believe with him for hours hours and hours you know and it's a joy and it's it's something so special um and I know that Tash with my mother and I know what I was like with my grandmother and I think it's a very special relationship that you just have to nurture I totally agree with you. And this might make you happy, actually. Not too far from where we're sat, my mum lives in the house I grew up in, where my eldest boy, my 19-year-old, has just moved in. So it's oh. the two of them living together now. 
So I think you're right about that bond, actually. Oh, that's made me... Yeah, yeah it's really so lovely, nice. isn't it? And they get on really well, no arguments. They just, they've always been very comfortable in each other's company. You know, it's a non-judgmental, unconditional love so situation. Weird, yeah. And lots of good advice going back and forth. It's a weird thing, though, you know. I just, I wonder what it is that makes it, I think because it, I still panic for Tash if I know she's, anxious about something with mm. Rudy obviously that's normal you're not you know yeah. but it's there's a way of detaching that emotion that you had as a mother where you can just be something else and I can't really explain it yeah um but you know Sarah Standing I bumped into her at Anya Heimarsh the other day and she's like oh how's Rudy and you know we have that kind of conversation it's like your own little club yeah you know you you actually don't have to say anything you just go oh he's mm. she goes mm, I know <laughs> it's like you don't even have to speak it's just grunts and you know what that grunt meant you know that's so lovely sweet. and lucky Rudy too because I think that's really special um I did want to talk to you about so you've mentioned when you were 16 this was a really I mean teenage years are formative for lots of people but to have gone through you said you know school was really tricky mm. bullying and then losing your dad very suddenly at 16 mm. I'm so sorry that happened to you and he was only 48, that's yeah. no age at all. And at the same year, you start doing the thing that you end up doing the rest of your life. So when your daughter approached that age, did it make you see, sort of recognise how little you were to have gone through all that? No, it's only now. I think my father's death was such a shock and a surprise. It took me years to actually deal with it mm. you know I ran away to South Africa and hooked up with a band and was doing all the things you know was a backing singer and god knows I mean I was cool. literally like not in a good place but I think because I was brought up in a certain way my mother eventually managed to get me back to London and I think it was through fear of what I'd gone through and feeling so let down that he had died and feeling so vulnerable that I created Kelly Hoppen, the person mm. at that moment, which was, I will never rely on anyone ever again. I will make my own money. I will do this. I will do that. And that, through all of the tragedy that I'd gone through, that is who made me the person I am today. But it took me many years to take away all the armor around me that I had created to be a much softer, more vulnerable person and happier um, but I can look back now when someone will ask me a question about my father and I said it to John the other day and I went, the thing is, I didn't really know him. Now that I sit, you know, 16 years is not a long time to know someone. And so I kind of grasped at so many memories and tried to put them all together um, that I'm sure some of them were totally manufactured and not even real, you know. Mm. Um, but you survive it. And so out of anything bad comes something good. And so I think I put a lot of positive energy into that. My mother was, you know, an extraordinary woman, but I was closer to my father. So it was quite difficult. And I hadn't seen my mother for nearly nine months and saw her at my father's funeral because we'd fallen out because I decided I want to stay the night with my boyfriend. She said I couldn't. So I ran away and went to live with my dad, you know, usual teenage mm. rubbish. Um, so it was a troublesome time so I just absolutely put all my energy into my work and it's interesting because whenever something bad or I'm anxious about something the first thing I do is work 
I dive into my work because I know I can block everything else out. So I think it was a mechanism that I got. Mm. Um, although now I'm much better at not doing that and kind of dealing with whatever it is and hitting it straight on the on the head. But I found a passion of something that I loved that I could earn a living from and be really good at. And so it worked out. Yeah, and I, th I think, you know... I'm, I'm no psychologist, but I think if, if you experience a loss that's significant and throw yourself into something like work at the same the same year, mm. there's probably a correlation. Like yeah, that. definitely. Um, but it is also, it's incredibly formative. And I've spoken to quite a few people now who've lost someone unexpectedly. And I think it's it, the, 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 the shock and the grief, as you say, something has to come out of it that helps you seize the opportunities you have in the day, really, because otherwise it's all so sad and awful. Yeah, really. and I think I've sort of, you know, grown up living my life every day as it comes and always said it was because my father died so young, but mm. I think I took that to a few extremes when I was younger, <laughs> using it as an excuse, you know, I live every day. Um, but <laughs> it's probably a whole other conversation. Yeah, a whole other conversation. <laughs> there was a whole other Kelly Hoffman that people really don't know about when I was younger, but... But yeah, and I think that, you know, somebody said to me on the weekend, do you have any regrets? And I go, absolutely none. Because if you regret anything you've done in your life, you can't move on. Exactly. You have to just look at it and learn from it. We learn from our failures, from our fears, from things that go wrong. And we just become stronger and better. Yeah. No, that's very true. And I think also, if someone that you care about hasn't had the opportunity to grow old, then... The, the chances you get to, to live past that is really significant, yeah, isn't it? And absolutely. every day, like every birthday is such a gift. I love birthdays. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Me too. So, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's just such a nice... It's funny what you said about the armour because when I was reading through stuff, I did get the impression that there was almost a version of yourself that had been put out there, but then over time you'd actually said, look... I'm at, I've actually got quite a lot of eccentricity and I work in this much more madcap way than you might imagine and I'm a lot more artisan and there's a lot more layers going on. Yeah, I'm a bit like an onion. It just keeps on peeling, you know, and that makes sense. But I think, yeah, I think there was a, a certain person that had to be mm. and that's what was expected of me and I was always very different behind the scenes yeah and then I think you get to a certain age and you just go oh, sod it you know like I just want to be me and this is who yeah. I am and there's no filter and I think that it's so much more comfortable to be that way and um, I think that we all have this awful thing where you look at someone and you make a judgment yeah and we've all done it over the years and I the amount of times that people have come up to me and met me and gone you're so much nicer than I thought you were going to be. You know, and I'm like, well, what did you think I was going to be? It's like, or they go, you're much smaller than I thought, or you're much, you know, like people's perception of other people mm. that are in the public eye, people have, they've, they've written exactly who you are, but they don't know you. Don't know you, yeah. And, um, but that's fine too. I don't really care about that anymore because I'm happy in my shoes. I love what I do. I'm in a place that makes me happy now and I think I'm I've you know I'm, I've started to grow up a bit and I'm more sensible 
um, in knowing what works and doesn't work. Mm. And I think, and I've learned to say no. That's Which a big important step, isn't it? Big thing because I yeah. love to say yes to everything. I'm like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> Every day it's like, do you want to do this? Yes, yes, yes. And then I, you know, people that are you know really sensible sit down and go, you haven't got time. And I go, oh, okay. But you know, I'm better. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of works out in the end. And I guess some of that security and feeling um, good in your, you know, in your shoes is about having around you the people as well, the people you work with, but also. I think family can do that because yeah. it's your people, your tribe, isn't it? Oh, yeah, family can be the most critical and awful, can't they? They can say exactly <laughs> what you don't want to hear, but it's always the truth. Well, sometimes I still feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny as well you said you like an onion because that actually fits in with a lot of your colour schemes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you know, the other day, this lovely girl, Jules, that does my nails, and she, I always say to her, how's your son? And she goes, well, you know, I'm really struggling at the moment. He'll only eat cream or white food. And I was like, how fabulous. <laughs> and every time she comes over now, I say, has he eaten something else? He ate a piece of broccoli. Well, I'm okay with green. <laughs> a small bit of green is fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the last thing I wanted to ask you, actually, just back to interiors, actually, what's the most, the main thing people are asking for when they come to you wanting you to design something for them for their home? Um, it's not the main. I just think that since COVID, people have changed um, how they want to live in their homes. Not necessarily the way it looks, but definitely how it feels. Like people are much, much more practical mm. because we lived through a couple of years where we were stuck in our homes and no one's ever had to do that. You've always been able to open a door, get on a plane, go somewhere else. Mm. And I think that uh, people, and I've talked about zoning in people's homes from the second book I wrote, which is you've got to figure out how you physically use it. Yeah. It's not just about how it looks. So I think that that's the main thing that, that people ask for. Um, and they just want it to, to feel like home. They don't want it to look like a certain way. They want it, I mean, some people do, but... It's just slightly more eclectic and mixed like and feeling, bundled, yeah, which like, I think is a good thing. And how did you cope when you had like three teenage girls in your nicely curated home? Oh, I think I was probably the most awful mother, stepmother <laughs> ever. But, you know, we had white sofas. I remember from Conran, <laughs> the big Burnham sofas. And we just used to wash the covers all the time. Um, and, I mean, Natasha is the messiest person. So is Sienna. <laughs> Actually, Savannah, they're all messy. I don't know how I survived. I think I just cleaned up after them constantly. <laughs> you must have done. And Rudy gets away with it all, presumably. Oh, Rudy can come and smother anything he wants <laughs> on my thing. They're coming over to stay. And I was actually thinking about it last night when I was in the kitchen and looked at the suede stools and I thought, should I move them? And do you know, I, this is the God's honest truth. In my mind, I want, I don't care. He can do what he likes. Hey. There you go. <laughs> Oh, he gets away with everything perfectly, exactly what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, what a lot of wisdom. You don't, like the hairdresser analogy, you don't have to wait four years for a compliment, but I can give you one now. Thank oh, you thank very you. much. Thanks so much. It was a perfect conversation. <laughs> See so, what I mean about a lot of wisdom in there? How brilliant. And how much vitality and warmth and kindness is there in Kelly. I really found her a very sort of generous spirit, you know. She really uh, was happy to share things, but also reflects nice things back at you. So it's nice to be in her company. And 
I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't, while we were listening, I didn't actually go and get all my clothes. I just potted around and enjoyed having the space and the quiet in this dressing room because it's so much nicer with less stuff in it. But I do have to bring it all back. And actually, I'm kind of hoping to find things. I've lost a couple, well, misplaced a couple of outfits. I just don't know where I've put them. Maybe they're the thing I need for Telford or they're the thing I need for Paris. So I better go and find them. I was actually in Paris, as you know, a couple of weeks ago with my mum and brother and sister. We had so much fun. And in my head, when I picture going to Paris tomorrow, I'm like, ooh, I can go back to the shops. But the reality is we sort of get there at lunchtime, get ready, sing, sing, finish, sleep, come home. So I'll have to take little snippets of Paris from looking out of windows of taxis, I think, rather than actually experiencing much. But... I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I'm trying to think what else is coming up. I've got uh, a 15th birthday to organise. Kit's birthday's on the horizon. I have got, where are we at now? Two more weeks worth of guests for this series. And then I've already recorded the first one of the next series, which is what I do to make sure that I complete my my contract of 10. It's not a contract with anyone, by the way. I mean, like my hypothetical contract. The contract I have with myself about 10 episodes and a month off. That is the way I started. I like them rules. I think if you don't have rules for things, it gets a bit amorphous and, you know, it's really important to me that I keep, keep being present with the podcast because I really love it so much. And actually only yesterday I recorded another one and I loved it. And I just think there's just, I get a certain kind of buzz from the conversations I have. So thank you very much for being part of it all and for letting me continue doing what I do because it really does make my heart happy anyway have an amazing week and I will see you next week if you have time for me again which I hope you do Uh, a few of you did message me with podcast guest suggestions really good suggestions keep them coming honestly I read every single one and it's hugely helpful because you know what it's like I've got my ideas but hearing other people's ideas can really be something to bounce off so please 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 I want you to think, sometimes with my kids, maybe I told you this already, I think, what would be a crazy job for, like, you to be doing while you're also raising raising a family? And then the kids have said, that's where I got the idea of speaking to um, the lady that was a gamer. Um, I think I think doing things like that is really fun. And uh, Anne Fish, her name was. And um, I was thinking, you know, stunt woman, astronaut, this kind of stuff. So... Just think, think outside the box and inside the box and sitting on top of a box if the box is a really lovely neutral colour and would fit in with a Kelly Hoppen interior. I don't know where I'm headed. Right, thank you so much for your time. Thank you to lovely Claire Jones who does all the recordings with me. Uh, thank you to Richard for doing my editing and being patient with me with the sound. Thank you for... Um, LMA's beautiful artwork which accompanies what the podcast looks like Um, and thank you mainly of course to you for giving me your time and your ears and I will see you very very soon alright lots of love Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.